And on this Memorial Day Sunday, we are so very thankful, aren't we, for those who've paid that ultimate price so that we could have freedoms like the freedom of worship. I hope that your Memorial Day weekend will be very special this year. I know it won't be the same, but we can all find those times that we can have to pray and give God thanks and praise for our wonderful country and for those in the armed services who have served us so very well and serve us still. Today we're continuing our sermon series on this Aldersgate Sunday, the day that John Wesley's heart was strangely warmed and the Methodist movement was began in, uh, on May the 24th in 1738. And today we're continuing the sermon series. In fact, we're concluding it, Become the Gospel. And you know it's so central to who we are called to be as Christians and what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And, and that is to become the gospel is to become like Jesus in a word. Uh, we know it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we could possibly reach that place of being perfected in love, the love of Jesus, that we would share with the world. And, and there's no word that personifies that Jesus love more than justice. Last week we dealt with mercy, a beautiful word as well. This week, it's justice. You know, I want to talk about the way that we view Jesus. Uh, we come to Jesus and, and we understand him from different angles, don't we? I'm reminded of the humorous cartoon that George Buttrick used in one of his books. There was a moderator beside a table and at that table there were three men. And one of the men had a long white beard and a long uh, white robe, and he looked so holy. And the man next to him had a crown of thorns pressed down on his forehead, and he was bleeding, and he had an agonizing look on his face. And, and then the, the third man had uh, blonde curly hair and a pointed nose, and the, the moderator said, Will the real Jesus please stand up? And we're reminded that people have different images of who is Jesus. And, and also the Gospels. We read from Luke today, but the Gospels, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, have different angles on Jesus. And they uplift Jesus' ministry in different ways. And when we have all four of them together, we have a, a holistic view of the Gospel. And what it means to become the Gospel is made whole. I want to share with you some uh, an insight about Matthew's gospel. Uh, Matthew's gospel has Jesus as the teacher of righteousness. Remember in the fifth chapter of Matthew's gospel, early on, it's the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus teaching the Beatitudes and then teaching the values of Christian life and, and the way that we're called to live that, it, that sometimes is so contrary to the way the world would teach us to live, so others-oriented. And then in the end of John's, uh, Matthew's gospel, we, we have Jesus there uh, post-Easter, uh, right before the ascension. And he's giving uh, the disciples, his followers, that great commandment to love. And, and here we are in Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel has Jesus as the exorcist. Mark's gospel is all about Jesus being against evil and the power of God being against the power of evil. Even um, the evil that nailed Jesus to the cross 
It's understood that Jesus would emerge and, and that Easter was all about and, and, and that uh, ascension and, and, and the Pentecost experience that builds on that is all about God's people in the world, a power against evil. And then in John's gospel, John is the theological gospel that presents Jesus as the revelation of God. Jesus reveals God. And we read in John's gospel, the first chapter, the 18th verse, no one has ever seen God. It is God, the only son who is close to the father's heart, who has made God known. And then today in Luke's gospel that, that Donna so beautifully read for us, we have Jesus portrayed as the prophet. Of course, we know Jesus was more than prophet. He was the Christ, the Son of God. But he has this prophetic uh, stance in Luke's gospel where he's constantly lifting up the marginalized. Luke's gospel has a bent toward women in that society who were marginalized. Uh, Luke's gospel also has uh, a bent toward the Samaritans who were marginalized. And, and so we have the prophet Jesus in Luke. And so I'd ask you what words come to your mind when you think of prophet or, or, or what images come to your mind when you think of prophet? Do, do you think of one who has maybe a, a wild look in his or her eye and maybe has a kind of uncontrolled uh, uh, shaggy hair and has a sandwich board that has a message something like repent of your sins the end is near? Or, or maybe like the old-fashioned radio preacher once proclaimed, the truest test of prophet is this. A prophet predicts the doom of the sinner. This was not the prophet Jesus came into the world um, to be. The prophet Jesus, the Son of God, came in the world to assure the world of God's love and to inspire the followers. In fact, to commission the followers to be the conveyor of God's love. You know, in the story we've heard today, Jesus is a different kind of prophet than you may have in your, your mind's eye. He stands squarely in the tradition of the prophets of old. Did you notice in the text that, that Donna read for us, uh, we have him quoting from the prophet Isaiah. We have him uplifting other prophets. He uplifts uh, uh, the prophet Elijah. And Elijah came uh, to, to that one of Sidon, and he uplifts Elisha. And Elisha uh, came to but one leper uh, to heal that leper, and that was uh, Naaman, who was the Syrian. And, and the hometown crowd, they were quite pleased with Jesus, uh, maybe even proud of Jesus, until he started pointing to these outsiders from Sidon in Syria. And, and started uh, saying that God came with healing power for them, and then they were enraged that he would point to these Gentiles as recipients of God's love. So Jesus stands squarely in the middle of the prophets in his quote to the hometown crowd. And instead of screaming angry, preachy type tones, he speaks right from Scripture. And rather than standing on the fringe of community and preaching at people, he's right in the midst of the synagogue where he grew up around people that he knew. 
And there isn't the slightest hint of a wildness in his eye or an uncontrollability about his hair. He issues no burning cry of repentance. Nor does he burden the people with anything that would produce guilt and shame. His role had nothing to do with his appearance. Rather, it had everything to do with the sense of timing that Jesus wanted to impress upon the people. And he said, today, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You know, Jesus could have said yesterday, uh, this scripture was fulfilled in your hearing. He could have had the people uh, look backwards. He could have had them reflecting on the past. You, you know, sometimes the yesterday is so safe to us. In fact, the yesterday grows in its peace and solitude oftentimes. Uh, we think in terms of, of yesterday and the good old days, as we sometimes say. But that's not at all where Jesus is taking us. Of course, he would want us as people of faith to realize that the yesterday, the memories that we have, uh, the, the biblical witness that we have of, of times past are so very important and crucial to us. We remember the creation of the world that we have in, uh, in Genesis. The first few chapters of Genesis talks about the creation of the world, the Garden of Eden. We remember getting out of slavery in Egypt and how God led the children of Israel by way of Moses through the Red Sea. And, and after they crossed through the Red Sea, eventually into the Promised Land. We remember Jerusalem and, and, and Babylon. We remember the exiles, don't we? And, and yet we remember that it was Jesus who, who brought the children of Israel back home. Uh, what, what a wonderful act of providence. And we remember Bethlehem and Golgotha and the empty tomb. These are events that happened in a, in, in a, in a place, in a time, and we remember them. They're, they're so essential to our faith. But looking back is not where Jesus is taking us. Our memories can comfort us. Yesterday can be a secure place. But Jesus is, is taking us into today. Jesus is taking us beyond that comfort zone. Jesus is reminding us, if, if all we have about our faith is what has happened in the past, then we need to have a soul reset. We need to understand that, that our faith is about today and what we do now. And neither did Jesus say in this um, uh, this word that he spoke to the hometown crowd at Nazareth, tomorrow, tomorrow, the scripture will be fulfilled. Or, or to say someday the scripture will be fulfilled. You know, we are people who have a hope for the future, don't we? We pray about the kingdom come, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We think that there is a, a, a better day coming, that, that God is not through with us yet or with this creation. We, we talk about the second coming of Christ when all in the future will be made right. It's important and, and it's crucial to our faith to have this hope for yesterday. And tomorrow. And, and yet, uh, you know, it's, it's not where Jesus called us to be in this scripture text. 
You know, we're reminded that um, as the, the, the Hebrews, the children of Israel of old, as they told the stories of their faith, they, they didn't say once upon a time. They, they often said, when the Messiah comes, there's that hope of, of, of tomorrow. But I want us to think in terms of what would it be like today if we said when we saw a beggar on the street with hollow eyes gazing over an empty cup, I'm sorry, friend, but someday the Messiah's coming and everything's going to be okay. Or, or what if we saw a person who um, had special needs, had some kind of disability, uh, maybe couldn't walk, maybe couldn't see, maybe couldn't hear. And, and we said, we're really sorry, and we signed, your, we're really sorry, but the Messiah's coming, and one day it's going to be better. Or to every uh, prisoner who is in the midst of a prison, uh, that they, they feel the shame and the guilt of their own crime that has them there. Do we say, well, friend, uh, you know, tough luck on, on getting in there. But, you know, one day the Messiah is coming and everything's going to be better. You know, every time we see misery and injustice and, and poverty, we're not called to say, well, someday God is going to straighten all of this mess out. The day is coming when God will set everything right. The people wanted to know, Jesus, when will God scrub this dirty world clean? And, and Jesus said, today, in your hearing, it begins today with you, with me. Uh, God's work is worked through us as we become the gospel, become the gospel of justice. No, he went to Nazareth, the synagogue, instead of going anywhere else. He wanted to be in that familiar service. He looked around the congregation and he saw the faces of friends, uh, some childhood friends whom he'd grown up with playing. And, and he saw uh, women and men in the congregation who, who were like aunts and uncles to him. He saw the hometown crowd all gathered there. He knew that he was loved in their midst. And he turned to that familiar passage of Scripture, the prophets of old. And he read from the 61st chapter of Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. To proclaim the favor of God. Everything was familiar. Everything was pre predictable. Then Jesus hurled a word that upset the status quo. He said, today. This is the day. This is the time. It's come. It's today. Today, the scripture is fulfilled. And Jesus spoke that word about the prophet Elijah coming to that one of Sidon and the prophet Elisha coming to that one of Syria. And Jesus said that God has come to the world to all people. And that was too much for the home crowd to take. And they want to throw him off a cliff. It's moved from, from, from cheering the hometown boy to wanting to see him dead. So I remind us that today is a dangerous word. 
It, it, is, it is a word that, that, that causes us to face our own hatreds and, and oppositions. It, it's a word that, that, that causes us to look in, 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 into the very face of that which stands against God. You know, a lot of people refuse to accept today as the day of anything that can change. Oh, it's easy to, to talk about our past, our history, our yesterday. It's easy to forecast our tomorrow and hope for a better time. But when we're talking about today, we're talking about changes that we have to make and the, the changes that we have to be about. And in the prayers that the Holy Spirit will, will do a new work in us and a new work in this world. And it's, it's dangerous. Martin Luther King Jr., a prophet of this age. He came preaching to the people in our country. He didn't say anything new. He stood right in the firm tradition of the prophets of thousands of years prior and in the words of Jesus 2,000 years prior. He even stood in the very tradition of our nation, our country, that people have died to secure our freedoms he said in a 200-year history, we hold it to be self-evident that all people are created equal. And Dr. King, he looked out and he saw people and he saw they weren't being treated as equals. He perceived others for whom this truth was not self-evident. Not just on the basis of race, but also on the basis of gender. Also on the basis of, 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 of ability. And so we went from city to city with the Declaration of Independence in his hand. And he said in the true patriotic spirit, Today is the day when we will take seriously our own declaration of independence. We can't be dependent anymore on the things that beat us down, the things that marginalize sisters and brothers. We have to declare our independence as a nation, as a people, and especially as Christians. It's dangerous to say today. The gunshots rang out in Memphis, and the prophet lay slain on the balcony of a hotel. Jesus said, Today is the day. Today is the day that we have to change and become the gospel. It's risky to stand up and to speak of God in the present tense, but today is the day. And when the prophet Jesus said, today this scripture is fulfilled, he turned memory into a mission statement. He turned the words of the prophet, prophets of old into a present reality, a mission statement for the future. That today transformed the yesterday and the tomorrow in the act of Jesus. He claimed the beautiful poetry of Isaiah in doing so as a new job description. Jesus said, I have come to preach good news to the poor. 
And if we're called to become the gospel, then, then we're called to do that same kind of preaching to the poor. It's a noble thought. You know, it's easy for us to say, well, the poor aren't in our neighborhood. The poor aren't our people. But Jesus talked about preaching, not just of proclaiming the word, but of acts of the gospel to the poor. To bring life to the poor. It's easy for us to distance the poor. It's easy for us to let somebody else do it, some other organization, take care of the poor. It's easy for us to take a couple of dented cans of corn to a food pantry. It's another thing to invite the poor to your house. You know, there's a picture that meant so much to me. I saw it just this past week. It's a car that's not exactly a a brand new Mercedes-Benz rolling off the showcase floor. But the note in the window is priceless. Thank you for your support for my family. Justice. Jesus said, I've come to proclaim release to the captives. You know, that's a very difficult assignment. It's a dangerous assignment to proclaim release to the captives. And and you can't do it from the outside. You've got to be in. You've got to be face to face. You've got to be there talking to people about that that, 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 that has them captive. Whether it's shame or guilt or whatever has them captive. And you have to proclaim a freedom that exists even for the prisoner. And for those who are captive uh, by prejudice and by bigotry. And, and, and we have to proclaim a, a release to the captive. And we have to proclaim that both to those who are captive and those who would seek to, cap- to, to make them captive. And Jesus said, I've come to proclaim new sight to the blind. We, we can't just talk about a, a mere power. We have to be that power to those who've lost sight, to those who've lost hearing, to, to those who may have crippled limbs, to those who may have any kind of disability. We have to be that justice for those, that equality for those who can so easily be marginalized. And Jesus said, I've come to liberate the oppressed. Now, wait a minute. We don't like that word oppressed. It's politically charged. Oh, go, go ahead and, 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 and make it political if you want. But I, I'm going to say it's Jesus charged. It's justice charged. And I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican or an independent or libertarian. If you're a Christian, you're called to that kind of liberation of the oppressed. It's our duty. And Jesus said, I've come to proclaim the year of God's favor. Perhaps that's the hardest one for us to hear today. This year, the year of God's favor today, in the midst of this COVID-19 catastrophe, today's the day. We're reminded that more people have lost their lives here in the United States of America in the last three months than lost their lives in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Vietnam, in Korea, in all of those wars. More have fallen victim to this enemy, COVID-19. 
And Jesus says, today? Jesus said, I've come to proclaim this year to be the one of God's favor. You, you know, it's, it's dangerous to talk about today in the light of freedom and justice for all. It's dangerous. You know, today, our Wesley Prep fourth graders, I talked about them a little bit a couple of weeks ago. They, they've written this book called Heart Words, an alphabet book of inspiring words. And it's meant to be read at bedtime. You know, there's a, a different set of words around each letter of the alphabet, A, B, C. I love this book. They're all poems. And Wesley Prep fourth graders, in their common ground experiment this year, they went to a place called Heart House. And, and these are children who are refugees, who are resettling right here in Dallas. And for months, these children, on Fridays, they met together. They got to know each other. They, they, they appreciated one another so much, and they put together this book and as I turn to the J, guess what J is about? Justice. Hear what our children say. J is for justice or doing what's fair. When some are in need, others can care. And make sure that all people are clothed, fed, and warm. All children are educated, protected from harm. We should love one another so all can be free with access to every opportunity. One side should never weigh more than the other. You'll find joy when you lighten the load of your brother from the mouth of babes. Today, we stand ready. We can't wait to, to get back to some sense of normalcy to get back to the work of the usual. But let me tell you, God has blessed us in this time to be about unusual work that we may not have been forced into or to be longing for uh, that unusual work that God calls us to. We didn't have a food ministry a few months ago. We didn't have a heart words book a few months ago. We, we didn't have opportunities to think outside the box like we see with our children in youth ministries and what they're doing a few months ago. But today we stand ready to, be, get, to get back into the prisons. Today we, we stand ready to, to be going face to face as we've gone for the past 21 or 2 years. Uh, not just once a week, but sometimes twice a week. Not just to one unit, but at, at one time five different units. We, 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 we long for getting back to that unusual business. Today we, we, we look forward to, to gathering again in worship and, and that day is coming. I don't know exactly when, but it's coming. We, we'll, we'll have that day when all is safe, when we believe that, that we will do no harm by gathering together. And, and, and we look forward to when we can shake hands and give hugs, which are the hallmark of Christian fellowship. We look forward to that. But, but in the meantime, what are we doing today? 
We can't use COVID-19 as an excuse for not being about justice and in becoming the gospel today. You know, we need to hear it loudly and clearly what Jesus said. That, that, that all are special in God's sight, even that one from Sidon and that one from Syria. We, we need to, to hear how Jesus called even the familiar crowd at Nazareth together to see one another, sisters and brothers, and yes, you guessed it, and others too, that you're not accustomed to loving. Today, a child has reminded us with pictures from Cuba and from Panama. This is the Cuban flag and the Panamanian flag and the U.S. flag all there together. And I love the way that she called our attention to, to, to what we are doing in such a beautiful letter that she wrote to us. I want to read it to you. Dear brothers and sisters of the United Methodist Church, this is a, a short thank you note to show our appreciation for the work that you do for your community by providing food during these times. Please know that your love is not going unnoticed. Christ can be preached in many ways, and you, you have chosen to do so by way of selfless service. And then she quotes Scripture. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15. 58. With love and gratitude, Abe, Yanina, Carol, Isabella, and Gabe. I don't know any of these five individuals. I just know that they were part of uh, the several hundred cars that came by and received a bag of groceries, of fresh produce, rice and beans from this church. And this little girl took time to say, thank you. How can anybody say that this is not the year of God's favor? It most definitely is. It's the year perhaps of our, our greatest need, but it's also the year of God's favor when we have come to the place that we hear God more clearly because there's not so much confusion. That we minister to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the person of others to whom we are led. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Today is the day that we become the gospel of justice. And may we recognize that this justice is justice for all. Amen.